It's Sunday morning. Time for the Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And thank you very much for joining me as we work our way into 2022 in earnest. Last Saturday was New Year's Day. And I started the year off with something that ended up being really meaningful. Actually, two things. And sometimes I just like to relay some events in the outdoors that I think are are the kind of thing that we remember all of our lives. So used to be in, in and around Chicago area, it was pretty easy to go find a pheasant or find a place to go hunt pheasants and work your dog. Unfortunately, that ended, well, it ended really a generation ago. Uh, so I had the chance on New Year's Day to find a place to go hunting with my daughter who loves to pheasant hunt. She's a young lady, and um, what an opportunity for a father to, to go hunting with their daughter. And lots of you listening, I know, I can think of some of you in particular who dearly love that experience. I often talk about hunting, being able to hunt with my son. So it was a day when the sky was as crystal, crystal blue as it can possibly be. There was fresh snow in the ground, so yes, I was I was not in Illinois. There was fresh snow in the ground, and it was easy to follow the tracks of the roosters as they dragged their tail in the four inches of fresh powdery snow, and to see the hen footprints, and to see the tracks of coyotes. And it had snowed on Friday, so less than 24 hours after it had snowed, you really become aware of the incredible predator population that these animals, that these birds face. We came across coyote tracks. We came across raccoon tracks. We certainly saw the ever-present raven, and and we saw uh, great horned owls, and we saw red-tailed hawks. We saw sparrow hawks, and it was a cold afternoon, and our little English cocker spaniel who hunts a little bit like a kangaroo popping up and down. And for those of you who've ever hunted over a cocker spaniel, you know what a delight it is. They're, I, I joke, they're part human. They, they they bounce up and down and they look back at you. And they're a dog that, that hunts for, for you as opposed to themselves, which often a lab can do or Chesapeake. So we were working our way across the prairie, rolling hills. And, uh, the birds were flushing wild, partially because it was the first time out for the English cocker this year, I mean, in the fall. Uh, and um, he had spent probably too much time lounging around on my son's couch or bed in college. But we finally got to a point where we had walked a long corn row. My daughter was on my left. We reached the end of the corn row, and there was some brush. And as often happens, you push pheasants. You don't know they're there. And then there's an explosion when you get to the end and they realize they can't run any further. And a great big rooster 
cockbird flushed left and was going right to left in front of my daughter, maybe 25 yards. And she made a very nice shot and the cocker spaniel brought the, proudly brought the pheasant back nearly as big as he is. And we stood there and we admired the bird, its resplendent colors. And my daughter said to me, that's great, dad. Let's go in. And it was, we walked for about 45 minutes. And I realized that the bond that we've developed over the years is not about how many pheasants we can shoot. We had a pheasant for dinner. That's all we really wanted. We had seen eight roosters and maybe half a dozen hens in that 45, 50 minute walk. We had had a clean shot of just this one bird and my daughter made the shot. And I tell that story because I think it's, it's so important that we connect with our kids in one way or another in the outdoors if we can. And it doesn't, as I said often, it doesn't have to be hunting. It doesn't have to be fishing. But if we're going to have the tradition of outdoor experiences continuing, it's going to come from our kids and our grandkids, which I don't have any, but come from our kids, in my case, wanting to do the things that we like to do in the outdoors. And in my case, it happens to be that I love to follow dogs behind birds, and I love to sit over decoys. And I love to do those things, but I don't love to do them as much if I'm not with my kids or I'm not providing others with the opportunity to do something I enjoy. So that was my, in a way, my kickoff to my, my New Year's for me was to be able to be one-on-one with my daughter, no cell phones, nobody bothering us, walking on an absolutely gorgeous, but cold, gorgeous January 1st, where you could see uh, you could see 30 miles when you reach the ridge tops. When the cloud in the sky, snow everywhere, and and it was winter, but we were warm. In the context that we were doing something together that we both truly love, and it just it just kicked off the new year in the way that that I guess I think that we all should have the pleasure of spending time with our kids, and we should make time. And in my case, my kids aren't kids. They're, they're young adults. But the fact that they grew up in the outdoors and they grew up hunting and they grew up fishing and they want to spend some time doing that with their parents, uh, to me, is, is why we do all this. And I know for a lot of you listening, um, you feel the same way. And so we, we spend way too much time inside, way too much time with electronics. And to have the chance to go outside and do something special with our kids is what what the great outdoors is all about. So I, I start off my New Year's on a fantastic note, and I continued it with my son the next day. Only he would rather sit over decoys than uh, sit um, than follow a dog for pheasants. And we had the same experience. So uh, I got a twofer for the beginning of the year, and it kicked off 2022 in a in a remarkable way. Part of what happens when you're in the outdoors in winter is you, you recognize that, that nature, and I've said this before, 
you recognize that nature nature's cruel nature you know doesn't <laughs> nature's about survival and watching on a winter's afternoon and following morning watching how eagles hunt and watching how they soar across the sky and and watching red-tailed hawks they're not just eating mice they're eating they're eating birds and my daughter and I had come across when we were pheasant hunting we came across a pile of feathers from a hen pheasant that had met its demise in the new snow uh, at the hands of a red-tailed hawk and you realize that everything everything eats in nature and and if you are a prey <laughs> you're going to get eaten and and to look at pheasants in a totally white landscape they've got a they have to find a bush to get underneath or some tufts of grass otherwise they're just a brown blob on a white landscape and and birds of prey as i've spoken about a lot in the most recent shows uh birds of prey are exploding and and as a result we are seeing some real challenges with our bird populations and i'm not just talking game birds we are seeing some real challenges with our songbirds and all kinds of birds because of the incredible explosion of birds of prey and and i don't know quite what the solution is but pendulum swing and the recovery of, of virtually every kind of bird of prey uh is seems to be complete now the ddt is out finally out of the system and and whatever's going on is that they are reproducing and they're reproducing quickly and raptors are are really wrecking havoc on a lot of things that we uh we we hold raptors dear there's nothing like nothing like watching a red-tailed hawk soar or a peregrine falcon dive or a bald eagle or a golden eagle I and mean, go out to the mississippi river and just look at the bald eagles it's a phenomenal sight or the illinois river but they're eating every day and they're eating lots of things and and some of these bird species that they're eating aren't doing so well i'll be back in just a moment with the great on outdoors and when i do i'm going to talk about something called western watershed sounds like a wonderful name it's an organization that is doing great harm to the american west this is charlie potter on the outdoor voice of chicago and america on 720 wgn radio and first a message from our longtime sponsors the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert. Sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are. Communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology. Tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. 
Welcome back to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, and thanks so much for being with me. If you're just joining me, I'm going to move from a New Year's morning, New Year's afternoon in the field to a subject that I think we, we all should start paying some attention to, and that is now that we've had a change in administrations in Washington, and that's not a political statement, the focus on how our natural resources are going to be managed has changed. It takes about a year for things to begin to change, and we're seeing that now. During the previous administration, there was a great movement to open up public lands for hunting, recreational use, and yes, there was a rollback of environmental regulations, and I, I like to think everything has a balance. And I think after the Obama administration, we had seen an awful lot of things move out of balance from the point of view of not using science and common sense so much as we were uh, being influenced by organizations that really are a lock up the lock, lock the gate and throw away the key mentality or are a litigation mentality. Um, so we uh, are now in a going back to an administration where we um, are beginning to see groups like Western Watershed and the Sierra Club, Defenders of Wildlife, begin to again have influence. And, and their influence is, is really tough on, on natural resource management. And I'm going to talk about Western Watershed here for a moment. This morning, it's a group that uh, I've been aware of for quite a while, they're, they are a litigious group that basically tries to tie the hands of land management in the West through litigation. And they've been very successful at intimidating the federal government or aligning itself with elements of the federal government that don't really want to have any grazing on public land or don't really want to have any hunting or fishing in certain areas or don't want to have any trail bikes. Um, and it's a, it's a group that has never preserved, that I'm aware of, one acre of land in its existence. All it has done is litigate to stop the Bureau of Land Management, Bureau of Reclamation, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, stop them, Forest Service, from being able to manage their lands as they think they should be managed and not as a group of lawyers think they should be managed. And and Western Watershed's objective, if you go to their website or talk to people that have dealt with them, it's pretty clear. We sue. We sue to stop things from happening or to gum up the works or to make it very difficult. They would love to have no cattle on public lands, no sheep on public lands. I wonder, and I had a meeting recently with a group of uh, of landowners who are really fit to be tied because the courts have come in and and put injunctions or the or the Bureau of Land Management refuses to to be bold enough to act on simple things because they know they're going to get sued. Uh, and, and and they ask the question, what's the liability of a group like Western Watersheds? The the fires in the West which are killed which have killed people. There's no question. It has killed people. Do they have any liability because their lawsuits caused in part a lack of management to be able to take place on Forest Service lands, Bureau of Land Management lands. By tying up 
active land management practices that are backed by science or that have taken place for for generations just because this group doesn't think they should take place they're they're real results air pollution the fires you know the asthma that's been caused by by fires in the american west is real and i think you can you can run a you can run a fairly direct connection to say that these groups that constantly sue the federal government to stop active land management uh they there's a, there's a there's a connection between not managing lands and having bad things happen fires mudslides whatever it might be but fires are are really the west right now they are the issue in the west that we all need to focus on and it's the dead of winter we just had a huge grass fire in colorado that that's nothing to do with western watersheds but next summer when we again have massive fires is because the forest service bureau of land management bureau of reclamation can't manage their lands and they can't manage them because they're spending so much time in litigation so i hope that we all realize that what we're going to have to do uh is we're going to have to say to these groups i'm sorry we the federal government and we the people the taxpayers want to see land management taking place by the proper means by scientifically justified means and that this political nature that says no one should be able to hunt or no one should be able to run cows or no one should be able to take an RV across that land is actually has has real impacts and after all our public lands belong to all of us they don't belong to a group of lawyers who simply try to raise money so that they can continue to sue people and and maybe you think that's jaded for me saying that but I've had enough experience to know that groups like Western Watershed and to some extent the Sierra Club and Defenders of Wildlife they they don't conserve land they just sue people and suing people is not a productive way to continue to try to advance uh what we're after which is outdoor recreation in a safe and well-managed environment. Next week I'm going to talk about the Great Salt Lake. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I attended a, a summit in Utah uh recently that talked about what's at stake for the Great Salt Lake and it really is about what's at stake for every American as we face a situation that uh if something isn't done um frankly will be catastrophic and it'll be catastrophic on a scale that it is hard to imagine. Uh, the summit I attended was a real wake up call and next week I'll talk about it in the great outdoors show. I hope you have a great week in the great outdoors. Be safe. Certainly we've got some ice around. We've got real winter throughout the Midwest. It's nice to have it. We're supposed to have it in the, and we're supposed to have winter in January. And it's a good thing we are because we we need the snow and we need the freeze. We need the things that nature revolves around when we have the kind of temperatures we're moving into. Thanks so much for listening to the Great Outdoors show. This is Charlie Potter, your host on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.